some of these songs are just as old hat to me. Uh, I was looking down at Kylie and Tyler, and she was getting in on the the alto part. I was seeing if Tyler was helping me on the bass or not. But I think he did that first one of one of those. Uh, the, the the there's room for just two. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, I appreciate that. Appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here once again. Uh, we're going to be in Revelation 22. Uh, Brother Glenn called me yesterday. Uh, he kind of, I guess he's got a list he calls around and checks on folks, and I appreciate him doing that, and uh, just, uh, he checks here and checks there, and, uh, but anyway, so he called yesterday, kind of a how y'all doing kind of thing, and he says, well, he was just, we was talking about, hey, he goes, how am I doing? I said, he called me right in the middle of my first cup of coffee, which was kind of later in the morning, so you know what that meant, but anyway, I didn't get up to a little bit later in the morning, but um Anyway, and he said he was working on his cup of coffee and was getting ready to open his Bible and prepare for Sunday school this morning. But that's the extent of it. He said, I am getting ready to read my Sunday school. He didn't tell me what he's going to go. I know he's going to be in Romans, but... And, uh, and he didn't know what I was going to preach this morning. And his references over there in Revelation chapter 20, I'm going to be in 22, but a lot of things he said goes right along, and we didn't compare notes. It's just the way that God put it together. It's amazing... How God does that. Uh, so, um, you know, I, uh, I teach on base, and, uh, and I teach seaburn uh, defense, chemical, biological, radiological, nuclear defense for our military troops. And one of, the way, one of the things that I do whenever I try to iterate something Tell them it's important, just like a lot of your instructors and teachers did. I don't know if Miss Debbie did. Ever. She was instructing because she had little kids. But, you know, you had those instructors that if it was going to be on the quiz or the test, they'd kick, they'd kick the table or, or they would repeat it or they'd jump up and down or they'd do something that it was important that you might need to take a note on that or underline it or highlight it in your book because he was kind of giving you, they were, huh? They were, yeah, it's going to be on the test. They were teaching the test. Yeah, some instructors like that, some teachers like that. So we don't have a test at the end of my instruction, but I repeat myself three times, whatever the information is. I'll repeat it three times when it's important that they need to really grab a hold of that, that truth. And, and, and when I said all that, say this, if some of the things that Brother Glenn said in the Sunday school hour to the adults unbeknownst to him what I was going to preach <laughs> and some of the same things get repeated in the preaching now, you think that God might want you to know this? <laughs> that he puts the, you know, the same, the same line of thought and not sometimes the same scripture on a Sunday school teacher and a preacher in the same Sunday morning? Sometimes it's all three of us. Sometimes Brother Chris will get up here in the devotion and then Brother Glenn gets up in the Sunday school and then I get up and we all three are saying along the same lines, you think God's trying to tell us something? <laughs> so whenever that happens, pay attention, you know. Take note. It might be on the test. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> so anyways, Revelation chapter number 22. As I was reading yesterday, um, I was looking for something to put out on the sign. I've taken the Thanksgiving message down. And I've been praying. One, there's lots 
obviously lots of great scripture to put out there, but the problem with our sign is we're limited to the space, you know, and we only have so much space that we can put verses and things like that on, and so I try to find something, and lots of times I'll put a part of a verse, and then uh, when I put the reference, I'll put the A if it's at the beginning of the verse, or B if it's at the end of the verse, and uh, for those, I know that uh, some folks have already read uh, that uh, we have the the uh, the church Facebook page, and in my preparation, I I did go ahead and put uh, Revelation twenty two seventeen on there uh, this morning, and some have have responded to it. And the Spirit and the Bride say, "Come, and let him that heareth say, Come." And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. All right? That's kind of where we're going to get to. We'll probably go down through various uh, passages here, this passage here, and we're going to run several references to, uh, to talk about each of these, these, uh, these points and these uh, subjects here. Uh, but um, that's kind of... Uh, where we're going to take our, our text this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you, dear God, for those that are here. Thank you for the day and the health that you've restored back to several folks that were out last week. Uh, we pray for Miss Marquis. Failed to mention her in the announcements this hour. I pray that you'd give her grace and healing and help and bring that blood pressure down that's got her uh, with a severe headache and, and uh, Lord, just very dangerous levels uh, in the blood pressure realm. I pray that you'd bring it down to safe levels. And then uh, give grace and, and help as they uh, go th- and do, whether it's medicinally or dietary, to take care of the things that's causing that to happen. I pray and ask that you will uh, guide and direct in the services today. May the Spirit of God move on hearts. I pray as, as in the Sunday school, the saints of God were stirred uh, to our treasures that we lay up and our works that we will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ for. Uh, uh, and we will just take account and take note of those things, uh, but then those that are without Christ, I pray that they would um, would also take note of the things to come, and we'll thank you and praise you. I pray, for, thank you that Miss Ruette is here, and thank you for giving her grace and help in these last uh, few weeks and months, actually, and pray that you'll continue to give her grace and help that she needs in the days to come, and we ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen, amen. All right, so... And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. So, sounds like an invitation to me. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. In this, in this passage here, we see in verse number 7 of, of Revelation 22, the Lord speaking, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. He says the same thing in verse number 20. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. And then the writer John says, Even so come Lord Jesus. So we see the word C-O-M-E all through this. Verse number 12 is another, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. That sound familiar from the Sunday school hour? My reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. 
I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So the thing is, he's coming. All right, he came once, and we dealt with that last week, especially in the Sunday school hour, how that it was important that he come initially as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, all right? Born of a virgin, laid in a manger, and we focus, several people focus on that during this time of the year. Some people don't. Uh, again, one of the churches I was raised in, you know, focused on it, and one of the churches I was raised in didn't. They, fe- they felt, like many of you, us do here, we do here, um, that, you know, the importance of the birth and the birth of Jesus Christ should not necessarily be held to be preached on in December. You can preach on it in July just like you can in December, all right? And his birth probably didn't happen in December, by the way, and there's all that that you can look up yourself, all right? So that being said... But it was important that he come. He was, he, before, he was already planning on coming before the, there was ever a world, <laughs> before the foundations of the world. He already knew that he was going to create all the world and everything therein. He already knew that he was going to come, and he already knew that he was going to die. And he had set an appointed time to do all that. It was prophesied throughout all the Old Testament scriptures that he was going to come the first time around. He, and when they looked into it, there, you know, the, the magi, the, the wise men, if you want to put it that way, when they come and they went to Herod and they said, where's the king? I'm paraphrasing. And, he, and Herod said, I don't know, you know. So he sent his wife, he sent his, you know, and he asked, he said, well, let me, I'll get back with you on that. And he asked and they said, they, we searched the scriptures and, and it said, they would be coming it'd be in Bethlehem. It was already prophesied he was coming. It was already prophesied he'd be born of a virgin. It was already prophesied that he was going to be born in Bethlehem. All that was prophesied. And all that happened when Jesus Christ came. It was announced by the heaven, by the, the host in heaven, the angelic host. It was seen by the shepherds. We read the story. We understand and know that. But he come the first time. And then he died for our sins, according to the Scripture. God's going to get me tired of me here saying that. He died for our sins, according to the Scripture. He was buried and he raised again, according to the Scripture. And he was seen of above 500 and all that good stuff. But here at the end of Luke... Let me mark my place here. He was taken away. He went up in the clouds. Let's see here. Or is it the beginning of Acts? <laughs> Acts is the writer. So both here. All right, so Luke chapter 24, verse number 46. Thus it is written, and thus it behooves Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. He said, you are witnesses, I'm a resurrected Christ. And as a witness, I want you to go and tell. He just said that 
and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye here in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as to Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was, uh, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. All right. <clears throat> And then the book of Acts is written by Luke. And uh, so we read pretty much the same account at the beginning, the first chapter of Acts, verse number 7. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know, because they're asking about, let's back up a little bit, because verse number 6, When they say, therefore, when they therefore were come together, they ask of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times for, or, or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. But, he shall receive, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing into, into, into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so, there's our word, shall so come... In like manner, as ye have seen him go into heaven. So according here to the book of Acts, after the Lord had raised his hands and put, uh, pronounced a blessing upon them, then he was taken up in the cloud. And the, the, uh, the disciples there followed him up. And Anybody ever had a helium balloon that got loose? <laughs> or purposely let a helium balloon loose? Not a good thing to do around an Air Force base. <laughs> For those who have worked on Air Force bases, that could be considered FOD. <laughs> it's not good on an engine if, it get, if a balloon gets sucked into it. All right? Just, say, just saying. So any birthday parties around here, we're not going to let loose helium balloons. Uh, they, they might send security out on us. Anyway, but anyway. But you, you, you let go a balloon. And you watch it, and you watch it, and you watch it, and it gets smaller and smaller and smaller until you can't see it anymore. I can just see that <laughs> with these disciples. This cloud comes and surrounds the Lord. He's taken up into a cloud, and they just look and look and look until they can't see him any longer. I mean, just squinting and gazing and following him up into heaven, which was not something that you would see every day, by the way. <laughs> And then these two men who out of perils, why stand you here gazing? Because 
They had just asked the question, are you going to restore your kingdom right now? You know, they were looking for him, a resurrected Christ. They looking for him to establish a kingdom before his death. But then even so, more so now that he was alive again, they still had that vision for him to set up his kingdom. And he said, the hour is not, you know, to be, how do you put it there? <clears throat> it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. He was called up, and they're looking. But then it was pronounced by these two men in white apparel that as he left in that cloud, he's coming again. So he came once, and according to the book of Revelation chapter 22, he said three times there, Behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Surely. I come quickly. He's coming again. And according to the book of Acts, chapter, he's coming in, again in like manner. He's coming in the clouds. Other scripture relates that in the eastern sky. And I've shared with you oftentimes, and I've driven to work, facing the east, and the troubles and trials of life are just bearing down on me. And I see them puffy white clouds. I look in them. Lord, are you in one of those clouds? <laughs> it's today the day that you're coming after us. In anticipation, kind of like those disciples. And we see that at the end of the chapter when John said, Even so come, Lord Jesus. An anticipation of his soon return. And as I was reading this passage and musing upon all this, the word intermission came to my mind. He come once. He's coming again. It's a set time. We don't know what time it is, but we are in the intermission between his two comings. The word intermission. I was this come to my mind. I said intermission. So I looked it up. I thought that I knew what it meant, but I looked it up just to make sure. You know, there might be another meaning there that that uh, will help me. Relate. So, the intermission, a time between, is one of the definitions there having to do with the plays back before movies, you know, any time that they would put an act, they would set the stage for the scene and then they would draw the curtain and change the scene for the next act. That was an intermission. Then the movies come out, and then you had some of these long, long movies, like like long movies. Gone with the Wind, I think, was maybe one of them. Uh, the Godfather was one of them. If you went down to the movie theater, there was times that your bladder could only take so much movie. <laughs> Plus, they wanted to sell popcorn. So they would turn it off, and it would come on the screen. Intermission. And it maybe give you a time of intermission. Ten minutes, 15 minutes. There's an intermission. And I remember theaters. We had some old theaters back in, in Tennessee. And my dad would take, him to, uh, take us to them that had an orchestra pit. You know, and sometimes they would rise up out of the floor. Sometimes they wouldn't. But anyway, but during the intermission, sometimes the orchestra would start playing an organ or something. Along the line, let, let everybody get up, go to the bathroom, go to the snack bar, get some more popcorn, some more chocolate-covered raisins and all that other good stuff that goes with watching the movie. 
But it, it gave you a time of preparation. What were you preparing for? You were preparing for the next act. You were preparing for the next part of the film. During that time of intermission. And, and that's exactly what we are in intermission between the Lord's first coming and His coming again. Amen. He is coming again. <laughs> and we are in that intermission in this church age and there are some th- there's, some th- there's some preparations that we are to be doing and, 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 and some anticipation of, you know, you, you know, especially if it's a good movie, you know, or a good, good play. Maybe you didn't need to get up, but you're like disappointed that it went to an intermission. You're like, ah, this is the good part. You know, it leaves you hanging, just like a lot of television, you know, those ongoing dramas or whatever. Tune in next week <laughs> at this same time, and you will get the rest of the story. And it just leaves you hanging. Why does it leave you hanging? It leaves you right there, you know, in front of the climax so that you will tune in next week. To hear the rest of the story. And that's the way that we should be when we look at the Lord's coming. His second coming. Look, we read in the word of God all of his, about his first coming. We read of his birth. We read of his sinless life. We read what he'd done for us on the cross. And he got up and he conquered death, hell, and the grave for us. Pumps us up. <laughs> Should. As a child of God, it's like, he did that for me. Yes, he did that for you. He died according, uh, for your sins according to the Scriptures. That's the gospel message. And those that have got a hold of that, it's like, what's the next part of this story? I can't wait till intermission is over. Like, that's why John said, even so come, Lord Jesus. And he says, I'm come quickly. He says, oh, wait a minute. I'm years old. <laughs> Lisa, doing what her mother did when she turned. <laughs> you know, uh, when she was facing that 50. <laughs> and then Mrs. Hall was like, now she's. 72, all right, anyway. But uh, we get to those milestones in life that we just really don't want to acknowledge those, uh, that age. But uh, the anticipation of things. You know, we, we look at our age and we're like, I've been hearing that all my life. I've been hearing that all my 55 years. Ever since I remember listening in church, the preachers and the teachers getting up and saying, the Lord's coming back. Brother Glenn is almost 90, and he's been hearing it all his life. Ten years shy of 100, almost a century. Nine decades. We could just keep on going. We're not going to. But he's been hearing that, that the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming quickly. Behold, I come quickly. I come quickly. Surely I come quickly. Quickly. Think of it in light of eternity. Eternity's past, eternity's future, and about 7,000 years worth of time stuck in the middle. 
James chapter 4. You see, I thought I had it marked. I do. James 4, verse number 14. Well, let's back up. Let's see here. Verse 13. Go to now, ye, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what, ye shall, be, what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while, then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth not, to him it is, it is sin. So when, we, when you get the term, you hear the term, Lord willing, I'll be there, there's where we get it from. Because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't. We do not know what tomorrow... We don't know if we're going to be here. We don't know if we're going to be laid up in the hospital tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow holds. So he's saying don't boast that way. Just if it's the Lord's will that you're going to do this. And if it's the Lord's will, you're going to do that. But I wanted to point out the scripture here of what is your life. And James tells us it's but a vapor. Think about this the next time... That you put a pot on the stove to boil, and maybe you still have the old tea kettle, and you put that on and it starts boiling, and you see the steam leave the spout of your tea kettle, and it gets about that far, and it, you can't see it anymore. Or you see the steam come off the surface of the water that you're, that you're boiling there on the stove. You see the steam just... Put your eyes at the surface and then try to grab a piece of that steam and follow it up to see how far it disappears. That's your life. Not very long. I heard a preacher. I don't know anybody good enough in math. Oh, maybe I do know somebody that's good enough in math. Anyway, this preacher said... Some, preacher, some people that was good with math, and I'm just going by what he said. Whereas we read that a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day with the Lord. He says some people took the math, and our 70 years, three score and ten years that we're given, anything beyond that is grace, based on 70 years of life. And you put that 70 years in, a, in, in the ratio of 1,000 years is the same time frame. Again, I'm just, this is not Bible. I'm just going by what I heard. But it's interesting if it's true. <laughs> they took 70 years and the ratio of 70 to 1,000 is the same ratio of that steam going from the surface of the water till it disappears in a 24-period day. That's our life. Wow. The brevity of life. It just, we just, I just preached Mr. Alexander's funeral. And to the crowd, I kept, and, and, I, and I brought this in, I, the casket was to this side of me. And speaking to the crowd, I kept pointing, referring this way, my hand gesture was this way, 
for them to look at the casket and to turn inward an examination of their life. An examination of, you know, preparation for their lives. Because one of these days, all of us, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, after this the judgment. We are all going to wind up that way unless we happen to be living when the Lord returns. And then we'll be caught up in the twinkling of an eye. Change. Woo! In the twinkling of an eye. Caught up to be with him in the clouds. Like he says he's coming back there. The Thessalonians. He's coming back as the disciples seen him go in the clouds. He's coming again. We're in that intermission time. There's some preparation we've got to be done. There's the preparation. What is the main preparation? It was referred to in the Sunday school hour, the preparation for our souls. Look, I mean, all through the Scripture, all through the, the, new, uh, the Gospels, Christ would give parables about his return. He would give, you know, the parable of the, of the man that, that brought his three servants in and gave them some talents, and he said, I'm going to go on a long journey. And what they did with that talents while he was gone. Because one of these days he was going to be coming back and there would be an accounting. He gave another, he gave in uh, what, Matthew chapter, I got it right here, Matthew chapter 25. It talks about the virgins, the ten virgins. There's preparations by the wise ones. They had the oil, they had the lamps. They were ready for the groom's, bridegroom's return. The foolish virgins wasn't ready. What happened at his return? They were locked out. They couldn't go in. I wanted to get to here about the spirit and the bride say come. And this whole, this whole as, I, as I was reading down through here, this follows the, the uh, in chapter 21, we read of the new Jerusalem that's coming down. And the Spirit and the Bride, I think is what brought me to this, the Spirit and the Bride say, come. Now, just hang on tight right here. I'll explain myself. So, there's a debate on the Bride that I have been involved in, just listening. So I wanted answers for myself. So, again, taking the Word of God, like Brother Glenn pointed out, trying to find the answers in the Word of God. I wanted to say the bride is, period. You know, I found that one time in the Word of God, and that's found over here in verse number 9 of chapter 21. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride. I said, There it is. The lamb's wife. Woohoo, that's what I'm looking for. And he carried me away in the, in, uh, in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem. Wait a minute. The city is the bride? Okay. So I took that to my pastor. I said, look, I've been trying to find out this whole bride thing, and this is what I found out. He said, I will show you the bride, and he shows him the city. And then, of course, my pastor is like, 
you know, give me a gib slap up the back of the head and say, how in the world can a city be a bride? Good question. Of course, then he went to Ephesians chapter 5, 6, 5, 4, and we'll get to there in a second. But I just read that the city was a bride. And as I was reading this in verse number 23, no, verse number 22, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. So how can a city be a bride and how can God be a temple? Oh, there's another good question. <laughs> so obviously there are some, uh, some uh, words here that, you know, it's not specific words. These are Words that kind of gives us an understanding. Uh, is it allegorically? I don't know if that's the right word there. But we see pictures of the bride in the city. We see, and then the city, the inhabitants of the city will be the bride, the church. And we see who the inhabitants is. And then that brings me to another here in a second. But anyway, so that brings me to this here. So the spirit and the bride say, come. They invite folks in. There's an invitation in this intermission. There's an invitation. I know Pam can understand this. She's been at the White House several times. I've been at the west wing of the White House once, myself and my family, my sister. And then in light of my son getting married next July. They send out the save the dates to everybody, and they're getting ready to send out the invitations. One of the things about the invitations, they send her an invitation to the White House. They send me an invitation to the White House through a connection, not a direct formal invitation, but nonetheless, it was an invitation that I had to respond to. We've got a slot for you to visit the West Wing of the White House, White House on this Saturday, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Can you make it at this time? I responded, yes, we'll be there. What happens with my response? Just like when my son and daughter-in-law send out their invitations, they, looking at venues, which is, anyway, another story. Looking at venues, lots of times the venue is limited on space. If they provide a meal, then there's a cost involved. So when they send out the invitations, they send them out well and enough time that they know the number of people that are coming so they can know that they have a venue big enough for the space so that they know that they've got the meals catered in for that specific number of people. That's how it works. Some people don't understand that. <laughs> they think that they can just show up Oh, I thought the, the, the wedding was today. It is today. Well, but you're not on the list. Well, you sent me an invitation, but you didn't respond to the invitation. So because you didn't respond to the invitation, your name is not on the list. So you can't go in. You can't just join up to the White House and walk up to the gate guard and say, this event's going on, and I got an invitation. He is going to pull out his piece of paper, and he's going, it's called a, he's going to say, what did you say your name was? Bell Douglas. 
I don't see your name on the list. Did you respond? No, I got an invitation. It doesn't matter. Your response said that you would be here and then your name would be on the list. Because you didn't respond to the invitation during this intermission, then you're not getting in. Because there's a list that you're going to have to be on to get into that city we just read about, in part. And that is the Lamb's Book of Life. And that happens in the preparation during the intermission between God, Jesus Christ coming the first time and Jesus Christ coming the second time. Your name has got to be on the Lamb's Book of Life. And that's how, I mean, that's just bringing it down to sim, in, it's in very simple terms that we all understand. Look, they're going to say, no, you can't get in. The, uh, what is it called, secret service, uniform secret service runs the gates up there. And if I, if my, myself and my family showed up on that Saturday, we had our ties on. It was a hot day in July, boys. Or August 1, it was, it was hot. I do remember that. But I, we're, So we showed up. And they, they looked at the list. Our names was on the list. They let us in. But if our names wasn't on the list, we'd have just stood out on Pennsylvania Avenue, <laughs> held, the, held the gate and looked at the White House, held the fence and looked at the White House because we wasn't going to go in because our name wasn't on the list. Let's look at it. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man, let's see, back up, that ain't where I'm, yeah, that ain't if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, I'm sorry, yeah, out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. So there's the book, there we go, that ain't where I'm trying to get to, where am I at? Uh, getting into the city. Um, let me see here. Earlier scriptural. Okay, that's it. Verse number 27, chapter 21. Verse number 24, 25, 23. And the city hath no need of sun, neither of moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut all at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring glory and honor of the nations into it, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination nor maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's who's going in. And Brother Glenn read who were not allowed in at the end of chapter number 20, verse number 15. And whosoever was not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. He didn't know I was going to go on the other side of this coin. Look, there's one, you're either on the list or you're not. You're in the book of life or you're not. And if you're not in the book of life, you're going to be cast in the lake of fire. If you're in the book of life, you get to enter in. It's as simple as that. We read this in, uh, let me see, Matthew 20, 
Let me see here. Yeah. I want to say 25. But I think it's here in... Nope, I done messed up in my thing here. I thought I had it written down. Oh, there it is, Luke 14. I did have it written down, just in the wrong place. Luke 14, and Brother Glenn basically was bouncing all around this when he was there in 2 Corinthians 5.11. Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. That's what happens in the intermission. We know that the Lord's coming. He said he's coming three times. You think it's important? He says, behold, behold. And then he said, surely, I come quickly. And in light of eternity, these 2,000 years since he left and told us that, 2,000 years is nothing in eternity. He's coming quickly. Quickly is, two, you know, could be 2,000 years even though we've heard it our 55 and our 89 and so on and so forth years that are here uh, among us in light of eternity, 2,000 years even-ish, 2,000 years-ish even is quickly. In Luke chapter number 14, verses 16 through 24, parable of the Great Supper. Then said he unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bade many. And sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. You know what things are ready? Salvation is ready. You can get your name on the Lamb's book of life because Jesus died for your sins, our sins according to the scripture, was buried and raised again the third day. That's the gospel message. He has made things ready. He came, he accomplished. Like he said... Uh, Wednesday night, he said on the cross, it is finished. It's all ready. My mother, I've told you this before, I'm just a little bit like her. Lisa says, you're a lot like her. No, but anyway, <laughs> especially on this, my mom, my mom said, you know, she would get a little frustrated at us, at some of us. I learned quickly. My mom was six foot one, and I forget what the octave she could reach on the piano, but there was a quite a big of reach. So, you know, her hand, and I felt it and understood what her hand meant. Anyway, that being said, she had it where if, if she said, the meal will be ready at noon. That meant, in her mind, you are setting down to eat at noon. All right? She is sitting down to eat at noon, whether you're there or not. Okay, that's just the way it was, because she don't like cold food, neither do I, all right? Unless it's supposed to be cold, and then I like cold. I don't like it warm, you know what I'm saying? So that's just the way she was. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did when he finished his work on the cross, and he took his blood to the mercy seat in heaven, and he came back, and he said, Look, go preach to all nations these things. And then he left. And he gave us an intermission between him going and coming again that we are deducing these things. And these invitations are sent out. We, his servants, are to go out and compel. 
We know the terror of the Lord, so we're to go out and persuade men according to what the verse that he, he ran reference to there in Sunday school. We're to compel. We read this in here. So this great servant went out. He said, Now servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. That's the frustrating part. I can't come because... And we're going to read some of these excuses. So here's, here's the excuses. The first said unto him... I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excuse. Who buys something, especially a piece of ground, that you never go and look at? But they bought it, and here was the excuse. I bought it, I got to go look at it. So somebody sold him the Hudson Bridge, right? <laughs> somebody sold him uh, oceanfront property in Arizona. But, you know, yeah, look at the views. And you get there, and it's just... Saguaro cactus. Mm-hmm. Where's the ocean? Well, a few more hundred miles west of here. Then another, and another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Who buys a tractor? Was out trying it out first. You got to make sure it runs. Okay, that's, that's their tractor in the day, five yoke of oxen. I got to see if they'll pull together. I bought them, now I got to see if they'll work. You don't do that. But they just didn't want to go into the Great Supper. They come up with these lame excuses. And the excuses why you don't want to come and he, to the house of God, why you don't want to come and hear the word of God, why you don't want to come and get saved by God are just as lame as these excuses here. And, uh, and another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. She told me I couldn't come. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some people like that before. <clears throat> I cannot come. For that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then his master, then the master of house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the, of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. Few there be that find it, right? Um, And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them. There's the word I'm looking for, trying to get to. And compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Why? They made an excuse. They didn't get their name on the list. Their names are not in the Lamb's book of life. So when it come time, they decided to have a change of heart. Who did he say the first? He sent out to them that were bidden. So they were bidden. And that's my verse today. Whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Look, this is a whosoever will may come. During this intermission, you can get in. (laughs) But not when he comes again. When he comes again, it's done. The door's closed. We're going to read. Now, I'm glad you said that. We've seen that in 
in Matthew chapter 25 with the ten versions. The door gets closed. Let's see here. Somewhere in here. Yeah, the kingdom be. Yeah, there we go. Foolish. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. And they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels and with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. That'll preach right there a while, but we're not going to go there. Um, and at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. I'm crying, Behold, he cometh. And I'm saying, Go meet him. Make preparation to meet him. Get, respond to the invitation so your name is on the list. Or in the book, in this case. Respond to the invitation so your name's in the book so that when he opens the book, he'll find you there and let you into the city. Because if he doesn't find you there, you're going to be cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And your torment will be going up forever and ever, as we heard there in Sunday school. So the, the invitation, go ye out to meet him. And all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto, unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. Look, if you could get on my, in on my salvation, I'd gladly share, but I can't. Look, you have to make individual preparation. It's not, my, it's not just my great-grandfather was a preacher. I couldn't get on my, my great-grandfather's legacy. My grandmother's a godly woman. Couldn't get in on her salvation. I have to have my own oil. My own light. My own preparation. Individually. But the wise answer saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they, were, uh, while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they that were ready, went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. We don't know when he's coming. He said in Revelation 22, he's coming quickly, three times. Behold, behold. Which means that gives the connotation of looking forward to. Looking, how, looking, looking with an examination. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Look and examine. Look, understand. Behold, I come quickly. Look with some anticipation. And knowing that he is coming, he will do what he says he's going to do, then we as the children of God for the judgment seat of Christ that he spoke of in, in the Sunday school hour, we 
need to be compelling people to come in. We know the terror of the Lord. Then because we know the terror, we persuade men. But then the people that are just the foolish virgins, we get up here week after week, or we just keep inviting you. Hey, we'd like to see you come down to the church house. You think, well, they're just browbeating me. They just beat that over my head all the time. I wish they would stop. No, you don't. When you're burning in hell and you're burning in the lake of fire, you will be begging for one more opportunity. One more invitation. When you're standing at the judgment seat of, no, the great white throne judgment, and he pulls out his books. One of those books is that book of life. Some of you will have already spent time in hell, according to the scriptures, before, you, before death and hell is delivered up and you stand at the great white throne judgment. You're thinking, possibly, that, oh, I'm out of hell. For a moment, and you stand before God, and He judges you according to the Scriptures, according to your works, and He looks for your name, and it's not there. And He says, like He said to the virgins, I know you not. And He commands that you be thrown into the lake of fire which is the second death. Death has been thrown into the lake of fire. Hell has been thrown into the lake of fire. And everyone whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, the lake of fire. What a sad, sad time. It doesn't say when the saints of God's tears will be wiped away. It's been speculated it's been preached and speculated that it will be after the great white throne judgment. Because for we that may stand as witnesses to this event, to watch all of our loved ones be cast into the lake of fire, I'm sure that we will have tears. But when that event's over and they are put away, that might be the time. It doesn't say, but we know that our tears will be wiped away No more pain, no more sorrow. What a time. I come quickly. I come quickly. Surely, I come quickly. We as the saints of God look with an anticipation. Even so, Lord, come Jesus. We're saying, come on. Part of us are saying, hey, I'm looking forward to that day. I'm looking forward to your second coming. Because I get a, as Romans chapter number, uh, Romans chapter 8 talks about, and I know we were just there, that groaning. The Bible uses that word. We groan within ourselves, looking into anticipation of that. Verse 23 here to see. Uh, even, even nature, before 21. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. 
For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. To be able to sit up on the bed and not have a pain, woo! <laughs> Not have, not have to be just so weary that you have to go and take a nap because the Bible says there will be no night there. It'll be an eternal day and to have a, 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 a glorified body, then we, the children of God, are in anticipation of His second coming. But in anticipation, there's work for us to do. We are to compel. So those that, that just... Look down on us for continuing to try to encourage you to come and encourage you to hear and encourage you to, to respond. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But we know what the end is. We're reading it to you today. That's the last chapter of the book. Beyond Revelation 20, 22... That's it. That's the final chapter. That's all we got. And we're declaring it unto you today, praying that you'll respond. That's the final chapter. We, in anticipation, hey, one of these days we're going to get up. One of these days he's coming back. According, let me just read it. I like it and I'll be done. I read this out at the cemetery just a week or so ago. I have in my New Testament... 35,000 feet written in, the, uh, written in my margin. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, But I would not have you be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. That is a, uh, there are some sad phrases. I know you not is a sad phrase in the word of God. Amen. Others which have no hope is a sad phrase in the word of God. No hope. I'm glad that, that, that we as children of God that have buried loved ones that know the Lord have a hope that they're going to get up one of these days in a glorified body. And then we as children of God can lay on our deathbed and say, ah, oh, this is no big deal. I know as soon as I leave this body, my soul is going to be in the presence of the Lord. And one of these days, my body will get, a new body will be get up according to scriptures. A hope. But there's some that don't have that hope. Here's how it's going to happen when Jesus comes again. For if we believe, there's the key. That's how you get your name in the book. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself, this is the promise of his second coming, as he went up, so shall he come again. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I like the then. Woo! I think we're going to see the then. I really do. I think we're that close. 
course, you say, well, the pre people when I was three years old were saying we're that close, but look at it in light of eternity quickly. But I think, look, there's signs of times. I was going to go there. I don't think I will this morning. But in, in Matthew 16, it says you can, and I'm paraphrasing, you can look at the sky of the morning, people that were seeking a sign, the Jews. You can look in the sky in the morning and see that it's red, or you can look at the sky in the evening and see it's red, and you can tell me what the weather's going to be. The old little saying, red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. We can discern whether it's going to be raining or not or a nice day based on just looking at the sky, the red sky at night or in the morning. And Jesus uh, chided them for that, looking for a sign. But look, we which are alive and, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. I like this phrase right here. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. We're not coming back. I mean, at least in this capacity. What a blessing. We're going to come back as rulers and, 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 and judges. We're judge angels. What? <laughs> According to the scriptures. And we're going to rule and reign with him? Huh? I don't get it. I'm looking forward to that day. <laughs> but so shall we ever be with the Lord. We'll never be departed again. We'll always be within his presence from then on. And we can find comfort. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We as children of God have these blessed promises that we can comfort, have these blessed promises that should motivate us to go out and compel others because he's coming quickly. And we know what the end shall be. One of two things. You're on the list and you can go in, or you're not on the list and you're not going in. You're not in the book. Your name is not in the Lamb's Book of Life. Or it is. Mine is. Hallelujah. Yes, when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I will have wood, hay, and stubble burn up. I know I will. There will be things that I have done that doesn't meet the standard. And as fire falls, I will be standing in those ashes, and hopefully, as the fire falls, I will be, some have some gold, some silver, and some precious stones. Some. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm in. I mean, to look forward in anticipation, yes, it's going to be you know, not so pleasant to have the fire fall on me and to be judged according to my works because I know, but my sins are forgiven. Past sins, present sins, future sins, they're under the blood. My name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. When I get before him and if he looks in the Lamb's Book of Life, my name's there. Yeah, I know you. I remember the day. I said, I do too. Woo. <laughs> I remember the day that the Lord saved me. All of heaven came down. <laughs> I was happy and free. <clears throat> good, good song. That's, that's, that's the child of God. But for those that didn't make the list, those that didn't respond, they've been compelled and compelled and compelled. Come into the great supper. 
I bought a, I bought a yoke of oxen. I bought a piece of land. I married a wife. <laughs> I can't come. Have me excused. Mm-mm-mm. What a sad, sad day when that day of reckoning comes if you're not in the book of life. And that's my message this morning. I have a song of invitation. The Lord's responded. You know, child of God, keep compelling them. Keep compelling them. Keep loving them. Keep inviting them. They may get frustrated at you. They may look down on you. They may talk about you. But you know the terror of the Lord. You're trying to save them from the fire. Just keep on keeping on with some patience and prayer. Patience and prayer. That's all we can do. Keep on compelling. Keep on giving them the message. Those that don't you, those of you that don't know the Lord, may the day be the day. Whosoever will may come and take of the water of life freely. You don't you can't work for it. You can't pay for it. It's already been provided. The, the supper is ready. It is finished. All the preparations are made. All you got to do is come in and sit down. How do you do that? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as we sing this song.